Hello and welcome to Community Topics number 21 of Dualist Community. I don't often know where I'm going with what I'm saying or with what I think is the best answer or outcome of a situation. And the more I relax into that reality of uncertainty, the recognition that I don't know the impact of what I say or do is actually going to have on reality, more free I feel to just express whatever I am feeling in that moment, knowing that that expression of that freedom is probably the most impact that I can ever have on, on anyone. And I am all I know. I'm all I've ever known. I'm all I'll ever know. That is the entirety of my lifetime. Everyone I meet, everyone I talk to, even Andrew, as he expresses reality itself, could possibly be an expression of me because I'm all I know, and that could be everything. And when that stops making you uncomfortable to look at, it becomes a really interesting topic of conversation. And that's what this is really all about. And on that note, community topics number 21 is about, and I quote, unity for dummies. Not that we're calling anyone a dummy, but we're going to simplify this as much as possible. And boundaries is the second topic. So Andrew, we've been talking for four seasons now. We've had a lot of conversations, not just on the podcast, but in groups and otherwise in person, one-on-one -on -one at the retreat. We've had the opportunity to explore a lot of insights. So where would you like to start this conversation? Would you like to start with the external understanding that all things are connected and really break that down on say the energetic level or would you like to start with the illusion of division so i was thinking start with the illusion of division probably i think that's where i start all of these conversations because at the end of the day it comes back to you and your perception of yourself and it's interesting because i i feel like as much as we recognize the same deeper recognition, our go-tos differ a little bit. Like your go-to tends to be that, that your reality, your experience, you are all you ever know. Whereas I feel like oftentimes I come at it from anything that I think I am, I'm not. And understanding that I'm never what I think I am. Any idea that I cling to is never the reality of what I am kind of allows me to let go of the boundaries. So it's kind of like dropping of walls as opposed to where you're at right now is the extent of your reality. And and I've always found that to be a little bit interesting, how we we kind of come at it from a different angle, or, or at least we tend to oftentimes. It's the same recognition, but from almost two two different sides, but I'm even wondering if, if they are different or if you've recognized that sort of difference in perspective. Cause when I woke up, the initial recognition that I had was you know, th this whole idea of Andrew is all rooted in the past. And if I don't have a past or in the way that I think that I do, then maybe that idea of Andrew isn't the reality of me because I've only ever been here now. I've only ever experienced here now. So if an idea that's attached to the past is what I thought that I was, but I'm not that past, then maybe I'm not the idea either. 
And that's where I've come at it from. So for people who are very much, I don't know, far from recognizing that there is no division in all of reality, I, I think a lot of it is rooted in clinging to what they think they are and the degree of comfort that comes with that, but also reinforces that that sort of prison. And so coming at it from the view of someone who thinks that they are what they think they are, the recognition that you are never that. And if you are caught up in that, just recognize that you're not and continue to question every time you settle upon something, what you think you are, understanding that it isn't the reality of you is a great place to start. But we sometimes come at it from different points of view. So I'm curious your thoughts, Ray. That's a great point. I'm really glad that you brought that up. And we do only because I think our experiences vary. And what I mean is that what you're communicating is very much the freedom of the experience of being whole, complete. What I'm communicating is the deep end of that, which is the realization that it's just you. And as you noticed from the beginning of this podcast and early in season one, you caught a glimpse of that and you're like, ah, I don't like the feeling of that. You prefer the freedom, but you can only put it off for so long. And so to me, I prefer to just go to that because it was probably one of the most influential insights that I had ever stumbled across. Because on the one hand, there's freedom. But on the other hand, there's still suffering and conflict and fear and isolation and loneliness. And I went through that for so very long and tried to avoid it and run from it and judge myself for experiencing it and all of that, that you start to recognize it really is a fundamental part of our existence. You can get into flying. You can enjoy the flight. Eventually, you're going to calm down and be left with yourself. And so one of the things that really helped me was recognizing that my greatest fear to a very large degree is attached to the reality that I'm trying to avoid. I'm afraid of being alone. I don't like how it feels to be alone. And it's because of my perception of being alone that that's the problem. You see, I'm looking at the reality that I'm all I know. And in that, I'm translating it according to a character that can be alone and disconnected. And so for me, staring it right in the face, I let go of that character. I recognize the reality that it's just me. And I embrace it with the same degree of freedom that you experience, but without any of that concern of what might come up behind me because I'm not looking at it straight in the face. Okay. So it's almost like coming at it from where you're at, as you mentioned, is sort of the inevitable depth that you come to through these discussions, through process of questioning, through letting go of what you think you are. Even if you recognize that you're not what you think you are initially, there's still more things you can settle upon that you think you are. And then you question that. And it's kind of just like this, this process that keeps unraveling until you get to you know, not the end, but what's left when you recognize that you're never what you think you are is that it's just you. And that's where it comes to. And coming from a, and there's, so 
in the recognition that you're not what you think you are, there's still lots of things that you can sort of avoid, but there's also lots of things you can still fear and, and things, and not to say that you recognize that it's all you, that you have no fear anymore, but there's, there's a depth in understanding that, that is uncomfortable, but in facing the, the depth of that discomfort that we're trying to avoid in, in all of our fears, you know, the fear of being judged, being outcast from the group causes us to be alone. And so that's where the, the fear of judgment comes from, from the fear of being alone. So it's almost like seeing that that's all of our biggest fears and just recognizing it, like the rawness of it and coming to terms with it, staring it in the face allows it to pass through us. Just like recognizing that you know, the feeling of anxiety or, or nervousness isn't a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the recognition that allows it to pass through you and not hinder your ability to have this experience anymore. It's the same for being alone, recognizing it for what it is, seeing, oh shit, I am alone and that's okay. That's sort of the depth of that. So as we're discussing, I do want it because I know this, this part was like, you know, Unity for dummies, which is such a, such a fucked word and also funny. So I hope people, you know, keep it light with us that we're not calling anyone that. Um, but I do want to keep that in mind as, as we're discussing, because we do tend at this point in season four to get into things uh, pretty deeply, pretty quickly. But that being said, if you are not following certain things, like starting with season one is a great place to start joining a group you know, Patreon, free live group, whatever. And just asking if, if there's something you're not following, hopping into that conversation, like we're always willing to find new ways to discuss it when someone is involved in the conversation. So I just wanted to get that in there quick is there's plenty of ways to ask us specific questions regarding this in case we get past some spots that people are at in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely contact us. But I just want to address the drop in tone that I specifically created by mentioning the reality of being alone, because it's really important to recognize what I'm saying isn't what it sounds like. And this is where what Andrew was saying is also very important because they're both the same thing. They balance each other out and they have to, because while it is true that you are everything and alone because of how you perceive that, it's also true that that's not true, that you are still not what you think, that the concept of alone is still not accurate because it depends on the perception of division. It depends on there being others to even be alone from. So you see, it's entirely an egotistical fiction, which is why it's so important to look it straight in the face. Because if you're running from it, you reinforce it. And then it hounds you throughout the rest of your days. Right. So if you just look at it and go, right, I am solely responsible and accountable for this moment because I am this moment. Now I'm just going to relax and enjoy my life. That's really all I need to do. Be accountable, but don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. So I'm I'm really trying to keep in mind um being caught in the illusion of division, believing that it's the truth, like putting myself in the shoes of someone of myself a couple of years ago or someone who I know, a friend or whatever, who's having a tough time understanding this. And I think 
from my perspective, as I've said already, it does come back to your perception of yourself and everyone holds on to this idea of themselves and understanding that at its core, you're never what you think you are. That idea is typically rooted in the past. The reality of you isn't just limited to the edge of your skin. And sometimes taking it from the point of view of recognizing how little you have control over everything within your skin can help you recognize that, you know, like your heartbeat, you're not beating your heart right now. It's still beating. Is that you doing it? Or is it just something that's happening? If you just ate, or if you ate a while ago, regardless, you're digesting food in some capacity. Are you digesting the food or is it just something that happens? Is it just something that's happening? When it's cold outside, you go outside, feel cold. Sure, you may say that you chose to go outside, but you go outside and it's cold outside. You don't choose to to feel cold or for your fingers to change color a little bit. Someone punches you in the arm, you get a bruise. You didn't choose for that bruise to happen. And so we have this idea that we do have this control over myself. But when you recognize how little you actually do, if if any, really, everything is always impacting everything else, you realize that, oh, this idea of you may be just that. It may just be an idea. Another point of view is if you get your hand cut off, is that still your hand? If it gets glued to someone else and they're actually able to now move it, is that still your hand? You'd probably argue no. How many limbs can get cut off? How many parts of your body can get cut off until you recognize like, oh, if none of those were you, then what were you to begin with? maybe just a concept, maybe just an idea. So I think there's there's two ways to, to, or there's a bunch of different ways to take it. I'm just trying to get across some some different things that, that may hit, um, but I, I have more coming at it from the other perspective, but I think recognizing how little that you have control over certain things that you call yours or happening within your body can help you to recognize that you know, maybe this is just an idea or you say, you know, I can move my hand. That's, that's my hand that I'm moving, but your arm hair, try and move that. Can you? No, just like you can't move my arm hair. So is it still, is it still mine? Cause it's attached to me and not attached to you or attached to you and not attached to me. It's up for debate. Definitely a conversation there. So this is where we're going to start going towards the external viewpoint that I mentioned earlier in the episode where we're looking at physical reality or what we perceive to be the physical external reality. And so it really helps to to look at things in terms of scale. So if you were to look at the the different cells and organs within your body, each one of those cells is experiencing itself separately. It has its own form and function. It has its own experience. And to it, it is its own reality. It is having an experience. Your DNA has experience. It is aware. Not like you're aware. You're a very complex set of DNA altogether, but that's very much the point. So if each one of your cells is having an individual experience, do you think of yourself as a collection of individual cells? Do you say, hi, we're here for dinner if it's just you? No, because it's all you. But you see, to the cells that are a part of you, they don't see it that way. They see it from their perspective as they're individual, they're separate, they're on their own. 
And yet that was never the case because you've been walking around as all of them identifying as one from a different perspective, from a different scale. So if you could take that realization that you are a collective individual and move it to society, to all of humanity, and recognize that we are all very much cells within a larger organism that we call humanity or society. And that that organism or organ is part of an even larger body, which is the earth and all the other animals and all the other organs that they represent and all the other things that are alive representing different parts of this body. Now, if you were to take it a step further and change your perspective again, this entire solar system is very much like an atom in a very large body, because if you break your body down farther and farther and farther, it goes from being DNA to being energy itself, vibrating at different levels. And if you go farther and farther and farther, it eventually becomes nothing at all. Right? And so all of that said, it really is a matter of perspective, because just as you could see yourself as you, and not think of yourself as a collective of individual cells, all experiencing themselves at the same time, which adds to your complexity. You may not see yourself as an extension of the rest of the universe, which is not divided and cannot be divided. We know all energy is connected forever. And that's the physical perspective of connection in a nutshell, which is why in episode one, scratching the surface, Andrew and I were talking about the, the fact that the only problem or the only illusion is our tendency to take ownership of this particular part of the universe and exclude ourselves from everything else. I say I, not recognizing, not recognizing that everything is experiencing I from its own point of view. So as Andrew said, I'm waving my hand right now. But Andrew can't wave my hand right now. Uh, oddly enough, I just did. <laughs> but that's just it, is that we don't look at things from that perspective because it makes us uncomfortable, because we kind of have settled upon a certain thing that allows us to be comfortable, but at the same time reinforces all of our suffering. It's, it's the root of all of our psychological suffering. And yet we settle upon it because it's more uncomfortable to be uncertain about what we are, to recognize that, oh, you can't actually know yourself. You can't actually define you, but we settle upon these things that then trigger us or set us off or we must defend. You know, and I've kind of come to this recognition that we don't really suffer psychologically, at least we don't suffer about anything that we don't identify as. And we don't really fear things that we do identify as. You know, I don't fear my hand. I fear your hand from smacking me. But if someone makes fun of your hand, I don't suffer because I don't identify as it. If someone makes fun of the way my hand looks, I suffer because I identify as it. Whether or not I recognize that the person's just foisting their own insecurities onto me and using me as a reflection of them. That kind of irrelevant to this point, I would say. And so it makes me wonder if that identification, you know, the thing that we choose to identify as has become so habitual, but it is a choice of identity. 
And there's, I think, I think this is going to start to tie into boundaries as well with uh, understanding the difference between the idea of you and the reality of an aspect of you that does not necessarily mean it's all that you are. But we oftentimes get caught up when discussing something like boundaries in thinking that I, the idea of us needs a boundary. No, you can't say that because that offends me. Like, does it offend you? You know, the physical body that we've been kind of that we throughout evolution have developed ways to defend with fight or flight and whatnot, or does it offend that idea that you cling to that you think defines you that doesn't actually exist? And so getting into discussing boundaries, there's absolutely a difference between the mental boundaries and the physical boundaries and how much we cling to the mental boundaries oftentimes reinforces a lot of that suffering because we cling to the idea of us believing that that's the truth of what we are. And as we let go of that, we recognize we actually have more awareness to the way things are here and now. And so we almost don't need as many preset boundaries when we're actually aware, but if we're so caught up in the idea of ourselves defending that, because it's something that's, it is a figment of your imagination and therefore kind of undefendable in a way, as we let go of that, there's more awareness in the moment and less fear about what may happen because we're actually attentive to it as opposed to being lost in thought or imagination, trying to defend or create boundaries for the idea of us that isn't the truth. I'm actually really glad that boundaries was the second topic. It actually tied the first topic. So that makes a lot of sense because the idea of boundaries and the concept of unity are almost contradictory. If we're all one, why do I need boundaries? Right. And what you're saying is very true, but I want to return very quickly to something that you said earlier, that it's a choice to identify. I'm going to disagree. And I'm going to disagree just because we have a physical brain that processes dualistic information and needs a point of reference in order to do so. And so since we were born, we've gone through this process of developing an idea of ourself in order to make sense of the experience that we were having. And it's part of our biology. And we've talked about this before, and I mentioned it in Discover Transcendence, that we go through the stages of ego development, where basically we are learning how to survive. We see other humans, we're like, okay, I'll act like that. Okay, I see what that does, I'm gonna learn from that. And we start to develop this idea of ourself. And then we start to stick around with people who are similar to us because we feel safe. And you see, this is all kind of us figuring out a way to not be afraid, to not be uncertain. And it's a natural response to identify. Who am I in all of this? But then we're supposed to continue to grow and get to a point where we recognize while the idea of ourself does provide some sense of certainty, it also creates fear of anybody who doesn't think like us or anybody who doesn't identify as we do. Changes make us uncomfortable and it's because we're relying on this false certainty for a sense of stability. And so whenever anything is uncertain, we become afraid again. 
And that's where we're supposed to realize that identity has its limit. But when we don't realize that, then we start to create boundaries based on that fictional identity. And that's the toxic boundaries that Andrew was just talking about. That's when you're creating a boundary in response to a hurt that wouldn't exist if you weren't attached to a fiction. And so it creates more damage for you because it actually limits your ability to learn. It limits your ability to empathize. It limits your ability to find any degree of clarity because it's reinforcing the identity that is confusing you. So that all said, when you're not doing that, when you recognize that establishing boundaries based on your ego, based on your insecurities, based on the fiction of you is ultimately going to always end up with more damage and more destruction, then the boundaries that you're setting are more in regards to self-care and how you impact everybody around you. You start setting boundaries in order for yourself to have breathing space, room to move, room to feel at ease in yourself. So that way, all of the responses that you give reality and anybody else that you interact with are as smooth and coming from a point of clarity and empathy as possible, making you as a cell in this giant body more useful to the body in itself, less likely to be cancerous because you are not viewing yourself as separate and working on your own without any ability to align with the rest of what's happening around you. Yeah. And with that, <clears throat> coming from the end of, um, you know, recognizing unity is, as Ray said, kind of the antithesis of, of raw unity is setting boundaries and, and creating more sort of division. But the reality of our experience is dualistic. And I find that a lot of people, when they're hesitant about creating boundaries, it's through the concern for how they're going to be perceived. And there's an insecurity that comes with that, that comes with the feeling that even when you want to create a boundary, you know, you shouldn't because, oh, if it's, if, if it's you, unity, blah, 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 that, that kind of stems from like that belief in unity as opposed to the raw recognition of it. Because in the, in the recognition of it, you know, it's all you. And so therefore there is no should. There's no right way to act. You want to set some boundaries? Set some fucking boundaries. It's all you. You're fucking God. Like do, do what you will with it. Understand where it's coming from and where that line, as Ray mentioned, starts to get crossed between, am I coming at this from the recognition that it's all me and I'm just doing what I want, letting go of the shoulds? Or is it coming from trying to protect the idea of myself because I'm deriving my value from that? If you're not deriving your value from the idea, then the boundaries that you set are inevitably going to be reasonable and rational based on the, the reality of this dualistic experience. And so there, there's an aspect of understanding that you are all that you know, you are your priority as well. And in recognizing yourself and, you know, even even filling your own cup first, understanding that you can't actually help any other iterations of you with an empty cup. You need that cup to be overflowing. Those boundaries become more important. You're prioritizing yourself as opposed to prioritizing everyone else because you don't necessarily feel that content with yourself. So you feel like you need to appease everyone else in order to drive some value for yourself. And so when you let go of that, 
the boundaries become more reasonable. They make more sense. Like I'm my fucking priority. I'm going to set some boundaries because I'm my priority. I'm prioritizing my experience. It has to be from that. You have to prioritize your experience. And then once that cup is overflowing, you can actually help other people. And boundaries are oftentimes an aspect of allowing for your cup to be filled first. Absolutely. Because if we don't, we end up in this loop that often happens where we are not developing ourselves. And so we're looking to satisfy that sense of lack through the approval of others. And as a result of that, we don't establish safe boundaries. We go looking out of need. And we run across somebody who wittingly or unwittingly takes advantage of that need, doesn't live up to our expectations because they can never, ever get rid of that sense of lack for long. And then as a result of our hurt, because of that, we create toxic boundaries to protect ourselves from that hurt. And that's the loop, unfortunately. Then you have toxic boundaries that reinforce your prison because you're trying not to feel afraid. But the fear that you're experiencing is based on not wanting to be alone. So if you were to just develop yourself, accept that it's just on you, and find a way to come to terms with that, to really align with your life, to make the most out of every moment, because it's you. You are every moment. This is what you have. Then that lack isn't there, which means you go into relationships without that need, without that blind spot. You keep your boundaries because you don't want to lose yourself. It isn't about protecting yourself because you're not afraid because you are everything you know, and you're okay with that. You're not afraid of being alone because you've come to terms with it. It really is backwards all the time. It's like we've said many times, the people that you respect are the people who don't need you to respect them. The people who often are the best friends are the ones who don't need you to be their friend because they're not looking for anything from you. And so in that state of mind, you are a more positive influence for everyone just because you don't need them. And that's ultimately what unity is all about, is the recognition that you're whole and complete now and that you don't have to think about it. You don't have to analyze it. There's nothing to compare yourself to. All of that internal soundtrack that is your thoughts, they're just your brain processing information. They're not reflective of the truth. Your brain can only see things in duality. It can only see things in terms of comparison. But you are everything. You are all of reality. Your brain is just helping you have an experience that you're not. And there's nothing to believe in. There's nothing about unity that you need to believe in. Recognizing that you're not what you think you are. The interconnectedness of everything. Not a belief, but a recognition through the letting go of what you think and the recognition that you're all you've ever known. Coming at it from both ends pulls you back into here now. You're here now. And in the here and now, in being here without concern for where you're going or what anything that you do moving forward means about that idea, the boundaries arise because you're actually aware of what's happening in the moment. It's almost like the boundaries are a byproduct of being present, of just fully being aware of what is in the moment, understanding where people are coming from, where you want to inflict, you know, put up a couple walls because you can, because there is a 
you know, basically it comes down to a lot of people don't recognize that they're everyone else. They they do have a very limited perception of themselves that they need to build and defend and, and fear being diminished. And so the boundaries are almost a byproduct of the reality that most people don't recognize that they're whole and complete. They do perceive a lot of lack in themselves because they don't recognize that it's all them, that it's all they've ever known. So if you understand, if everyone understood the first part of this conversation, there may not need to be so many boundaries, but as long as there's plenty of us, which there are billions of us not recognizing that it's all us, that this is one organism, one mind expressed infinitely, that we're all the same I interacting with itself, the boundaries become necessary, even if you do recognize it because not everyone does. So the boundaries are, are beneficial in protecting yourself from that collective, very egotistical mindset. Which brings us to possibly one of the biggest clues into the reality of unity, which is the experience of empathy. The experience of empathy is something that goes beyond conceptual logic or the idea of compassion. It's something that happens when you recognize something about yourself in someone else. And in that recognition, you change what you're doing. You change as a person. And the key there is that you're recognizing yourself in someone else. That in itself is the biggest part of the puzzle out of all of this. It's not the conceptual high-mindedness. It's not spirituality. It's none of that. It's the recognition of unity unfolding in a moment of empathy. And that's very difficult to experience when you are focused on the idea of yourself because it cuts you off from reality. You're so focused on the narrative of you, which is separate from everything, that it's blinding you to how you are connected to everything. The more focused on your pain you are, the harder it is to recognize someone else's pain. And so we are blinded to unity by our commitment to the identity that we hold on to. But that identity that we hold on to is a response to collective trauma that we've been going through as a society for so long. We are hurting each other because we are hurting. And so this is where the path of dualistic unity really comes from, is this idea that we can change the ripple by simply being whole and complete in ourselves as everything that is. And as such, having the ability to empathize with everybody else who is experiencing the same uncertainty, the same temptation to want to identify as an idea to deal with that uncertainty. And that's how we can change everything that we're experiencing on this planet. But it's in recognizing that everything that we've gone through collectively has led to now. And now we have an opportunity to change direction because it's just like the entire course of your life. Your entire course of your life has led to this insight right now. Now you can do something else. So when you start to recognize that all of humanity is very much like an individual going through ego development, then you start to see how we have an opportunity to grow up and change our path simply by taking responsibility and accepting that we're one.
Absolutely. And, and from the, uh, that recognition of empathy, really recognizing it, um, we, another side of the, the boundaries that we hold on to are the things that we feel we can't express or, or shouldn't express because we think there's a right and a wrong way to do things. We think, you know, there's a right and a wrong answer as opposed to if you don't have an answer to something, just being able to be okay with saying, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Like that's a letting go of another side of the boundaries that we cling to, not so much from the physical side or or the mental emotional side, but from the ones inside ourselves, kind of bounding us from letting those walls down. And so as we recognize more and more that the idea of us isn't the reality of us, that it is all us, that we are only ever interacting with ourselves those internal boundaries don't make as much sense. And as though those come down, you become more free in yourself. You're not so restrictive to the things that you think you should be doing or, or should be saying or clinging to this belief that you know the best outcome for you or, or whatever way it may, whatever way, shape or form it may take. Understanding that those boundaries internally aren't as necessary, that you can express yourself freely, that you don't have to hold all of these secrets inside of you out of fear of not being accepted by those all around you. Because at the end of the day, we're all just trying to recognize ourselves and everyone else, trying to be able to interact with people who gone through similar types of things. And if we're holding on to this idea that, oh, this thing that I went through was wrong and therefore I can't share it. All those people who have gone through something similarly and are looking for someone in their life who's gone through something similar and come out the other end and want to be able to resonate with someone aren't going to be able to find that person if you're keeping those internal boundaries. So letting go of those allows for a lot of that empathy, allows for the opportunity for empathy. Because if we're not expressing ourselves authentically, people aren't going to be able to see themselves in you as much. And as those walls come down internally through the recognition that there's nothing to defend anymore, there's no idea of you that's inherently separate from anyone else, we're able to connect more clearly. We're able to find each other more clearly. But when we're so caught up in all of these things, when we're holding on to those boundaries, those are cutting us off from being able to experience that empathy through shared experiences because everyone goes through shit. Everyone goes through quote unquote shameful experiences or whatever. And as I said, everyone does. So there's no shame in, in expressing something that you've been through, something that you're insecure about. Being open about your insecurities is one of the most freeing things that you can ever do. And everyone has those insecurities. So even if they don't have the same ones, they see you expressing that openly, authentically, they're more comfortable interacting with you and expressing their own. And they can let down some of that guard that cuts them off from the freedom that's able to be experienced when they let down those boundaries, those internal ones, and start sharing their true colors, expressing their self expressing themselves authentically and freely. So there are internal boundaries as well. And as we let go of those, I think the the recognition of unity just becomes that much clearer as well. I agree. And I just wanted to mention for anybody who is listening, who was raised in a religion where you keep coming back to the idea of God, that the experience of God and the concept of God are two very different things that when you look at 
the Torah or the Bible, when you look at the Bhagavad Gita or you look at any of these ancient texts, you realize that they are trying to communicate an experience and are doing so through the cultural influences and limitations of that time period. And so Jesus, for example, when he said, there really are only two commandments, love God and like that, love your neighbor as yourself. That makes a lot more sense when you recognize that that's the same thing, that loving your neighbor as you is loving God because you and your neighbor are one. That when we talk about the concept of something being eternal and omnipresent, that's the experience of recognizing that you as the awareness of reality will always be. And you will always be every person, every character, every living form, everywhere, forever. That's the eternal life that they're trying to communicate in religion. It's not eternal life like you, the body, get to live forever, because that would be an unfortunate experience for everyone. You would have to see so many people pass. There are so many things you'd have to deal with. But this is the concept of God that they're all trying to communicate that gets lost in this idea that is instead used to make us feel less alone. Oddly enough, we think of a God and it makes us feel better, like something's taking care of us, but it also gives us something to fear because now something could judge us. And that's all based on the fiction of ourself, which is where judgment comes from and our fear. Yeah, like always that double-edged sword. But when you recognize there's no creator to meet, that it is all you, as uncomfortable as it may seem initially, because you've always relied on the perception of there being a higher power that soothes you and creates your fear at the same time, there's almost a freedom from that, that when you get used to that discomfort, when you recognize that it's all you, that it's only ever been you, that you are alone, and you stare that in the face and see it with probably initially some discomfort, but then say, fuck it, that's okay, and I'm okay. I'm here now. As much as, as it is all me, there's still the perception of division, and there's things that I can do with this reality influence that I can have. But when you see that it's all you for eternity, every life that's ever been has always been you, your entire perception shifts. All of your priorities shift. It's not so much about building an empire for this iteration of you that you've identified with and feel like you have to defend and set all of these boundaries for. It's like you're one in the mix. You're in the flow of things. And as you move, the flow moves when you recognize that you're the flow. And then things start to really get fun. And that's, as, as Ray has said before, the only game in town, as far as we're concerned, is that ability to, when you recognize that it's all you, have influence on yourself, as opposed to just being caught up in illusions and ideas, false promises that require boundaries, too many, too many boundaries. And, uh, Lost in, lost in the illusion of division. When you let go of that, things start really getting fun. When you become okay with the recognition that it is all you. Yeah. And there's so much more to this conversation. This is why we've had three seasons of exploring this insight. But I will leave one more just before we wrap up this episode. Because 
it's such a good conversation. And it's the reason that we do this so enthusiastically. The idea of time, because very often we get caught on this idea that, well, somebody had to have created everything. This had to have come from somewhere, which is where, again, the concept of God usually gets ushered into the conversation. But that's very much dependent on our misunderstanding what time is. Because we focus on the clock, we focus on the minutes and the seconds, and we think that that is time instead of recognizing that that's just a way of us trying to quantify ongoing change. All it is. Time itself is really just the procession of change from the subjective experience. We are time. We are experiencing time. But the reality is that each and every moment that could possibly exist in potential will over a long enough timeline, over eternity. But it will always exist here and now from the perspective of I. Always. And this is why it's really important when we start thinking about the universe being created to recognize that when Einstein was talking about the Big Bang Theory, he postulated that it's not that time started with the Big Bang. It's that all time was created with the Big Bang, that the Big Bang created all possible moments at the same time. They all came into creation at the same time. So we tend to get caught on this universe and this experience that we're having, but all other moments in the here and now as I also exist somewhere at some time in the span of eternity in a universe that has no boundaries. So what I'm saying to simplify all of that is that we are still in the moment before the Big Bang, experiencing what it would be like if the Big Bang could happen in a universe that was never divided and is only perceived to be. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I don't have too much to add to that. I think this is uh, a great way to kind of wrap up this conversation. I think we covered a lot of great stuff. And regarding the time, when you recognize that it's all just perception, and even the things that we've proven, not proven, but like gotten close to proving scientifically, the ways that the, the reality of this universe and this perspective that recognition that we're experiencing the potential of what a big bang would impose or reference it makes a lot of sense because you know where are you right now it's all relative to everything else that you perceive but you're not existing anywhere in any space and time when you recognize the lack of division as the reality. And so it really just comes down to a perception that may not be the truth of what you think it is. And on that note, I think we will end community topics number 21. I do want to say again, this is the reason that all of our episodes are between an hour to two hours long. And we've made so many of them and we continue to have more and more and more to talk about because it really is a limitless conversation. 
that is ancient and will happen in any form that can have it. Because we're talking about existence itself. We're talking about you, the subjective experience of existence. And so it's a very interesting conversation. I encourage you, check out season one for sure. If you can, join us on a group. Join us at patreon.com slash dualisticunity because we talk about this stuff all the time. And in real time, you can ask us a, a question based on where you are in your journey and we can address it directly. So it's a lot easier than trying to take something from an episode that may not be directly addressing your situation and then trying to make it address your situation. You can just talk to us. And that's often the best way to connect with us. And we really like to see you. Absolutely. So this has been a fun episode and I look forward to digging in a little bit more to, uh, to the time topic for sure. All right, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye, everyone.